This is the Sports Edge with Rick Wolf on your flagship station for New York sports. The Fan, Sports Radio 66 and 1019 FM, WFAN, New York. Edge, I'm your host, Rick Wolf. Well, first and foremost, I, I want to thank everyone for all of their condolences and kind words regarding my father. On behalf of my mom and the entire Wolf family, we were quite touched by the outpouring of love. And as I mentioned on the tribute show last week, as I reflected on my dad's impact on my growing up in sports, it's become more and more apparent that my father, really like so many other sports dads around the country, well, he, he taught me pretty much everything I know about sports and about sports parenting. The lessons I absorbed were, were lessons for my lifetime, although when I was a kid and playing ball and learning the games for my dad, those lessons were far from my, my daily concerns. I just wanted to go out and play. Uh, and like any youngster, I wanted to learn how to, how to hit a baseball well or how to shoot a basketball or how to throw a spiral with a football, how to run a pass pattern, how to play pepper with a bat and ball, and, and so much more. And I always wondered when I was a kid about the, the intricate rules of the sports I played, like the, uh, like the infield fly rule, or why football teams always punted on fourth down, uh, how to set up an effective zone defense uh, in basketball, or better yet, how to break a zone and like kids everywhere, I found out that the cheating in sports just wasn't accepted or allowed, and that being a good sport, particularly when you lose a game, well, it's not always easy. But all these lessons and, and so many more didn't come to me naturally or instinctively. Rather, they, they came from ongoing conversations with my father. And I'm quite sure that you went through the, the same kind of learning process as well with your dad. And you're probably having similar conversations these days with your own kids. So on this morning's show, I thought I'd open the phone lines and see if we can come up with a list or, or a, 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 some sort of collection of, of those key lessons that you learned from your father when it came to sports when you were growing up. Because in the end, the way your son or your daughter plays sports well, it's, it's pretty much a natural extension of the way you played when you were a kid and of the way you taught, you know, your kids to play as well and what you learned from your dad. Of course, our number here is 1-877-337-6666. That's brought to you by Hot Summer Fun at Mohegan Sun, Connecticut, now through September 3rd. Now, look, perhaps you're a dad now yourself. I mean, I, think about this. What kind of lessons are you imparting to your kids what are your top priorities in sports, and how do you teach or pass along those priorities to your children? How do you react, for example, when things aren't going well for your kids? Are you a sideline yeller and screamer? Do you realize your kids uh, you know, are watching all of this? Let's, let's, let's talk about this, because I do think, in the end of the day, so much of this happens on a daily basis that sometimes, as, as parents, as grown-ups, we may not often understand that our kids are learning from us. And, uh, you know, there are those moments where you have to basically talk to your youngsters about, okay, this is how it is in sports. This is why you can't cheat. This is why this is all about good sportsmanship. This is how you do this. This is how, how you play the game. This is how, why the rules are in place 
to uh, to understand what's going on. One eight seven seven three three seven sixty six sixty six. Again, a very straightforward concept, but an important one as to how we impart lessons of, regarding sports to our kids. Let's start our conversation this morning with uh, with Justin in uh, Nutley, New Jersey. Justin, good morning. You're on the fan. Hey, coach. How are you? Good, Justin. How are you doing? Good. I didn't get a chance to talk to you last week, but I but I listened. That uh, that seemed like a tough uh, a tough play for you last week, and it was you know pretty pretty emotional. But it was you know it was great to listen to. So uh, thank you for that. But uh, to go on to in terms of you know being in the car with my father after games, and the one thing he always said to me, you know, to go along the line with this topic is. You never want to leave the game and on the ride home wish you could have done more. Mm-hmm. You always wanted to do everything you possibly could. You know, he never got on me after a game. I mean, obviously, you know, if I did anything, you know, like showing up an umpire or something silly, you know, I would have definitely heard about it. But the main thing is that, you know, more than anything, <clears throat> you wanted to make sure that after you left the game, you know, there was nothing else that you could have done um, to help your team. That, that, that was kind of the main message, and thank you for last week. And, again, I know it was a tough go for you. I uh, really, really appreciate you every Sunday, and uh, have a good rest of the day, Coach. Justin, thank you so much for those very nice words. Yes, last week was very difficult, obviously, and, uh, you know, I'm very much, you know, indebted to to, uh, to Mike Francesa and to Mark Chernoff and Dove Kramer and Tommy Lugauer and everybody else who helped out in putting that tribute show together about my dad. But, yeah, this is this is what we're talking about, the legacy of, of one's father uh, when you're growing up, and as Justin just mentioned, yeah, you know that's an important lesson. Obviously, you know you can never control the outcome of a game, but as Justin pointed out, his dad used to tell him, and I agree with this, that you know you never want to be in a situation when you walk off of an athletic field and you say, you know, I really didn't give everything I had, or I left something behind, because you can control the effort you put into a game. Can't control necessarily who's going to win or lose, but you can't control. Uh, how much of an effort you put into your performance. Let's move on. Let's go to uh, to Mark up in New Haven. Hi, Mark. You're on the fan. Morning, Rick. How are you? I'm uh, good. Thank you, Mark. Uh, just a great show last week about your dad. Just all of that. Every, all the sentiments everybody's expressed, uh, same for me. It's just, you know, great guy, and you did a wonderful job. Um, I absolutely hated, as a kid, having to shake hands at the end of a game. <laughs> hated it. I hated losing, even from when I was 10 years old. Yeah. And my dad was like, listen, you're going to shake hands, and you're going to thank the opponent, and you're going to suck it up, and you're going to deal with it, and that's what part of growing up is, and that's part of sportsmanship, whether you like it or not. And I hated having to shake hands and acknowledge across the way that my opponent beat me. But you know what? To this day, you get in line, you shake hands, you show some class, and win or lose – you hold your held up high, hold your head up high, and when you walk off the ice. Well, Mark, I'm glad you mentioned that because you know it's true. We, we you know, particularly for example, you mentioned the ice, and, and obviously we think of the great uh, show of sportsmanship at the end of the Stanley Cup uh, playoffs, and the guys who've been battling, uh, you know, throughout the, each playoff series, you know, come together and shake hands. But these are guys in their 20s or 30s. When you're a kid, the idea of losing is just so, um, you know, untenable that it's very, very hard, and it takes a real conscious effort. As you said, you got to suck it up and go out there and shake the opponent's hands, even though it's the last thing in the world you want to do. Sportsmanship has to be taught, uh, and that's something that, again, 
She said, your father said, look, you got to do this because sometimes you win and sometimes you're going to lose, but you got to always do the right thing in terms of being a good sport. Well, part of the problem was I was a child of the 60s, and my grandfather, unfortunately, was friends with Vince Lombardi, <laughs> and I was a Packer fan. <laughs> and so somehow I got it into my head that if at the age of eight or nine, winning isn't everything, it's the only thing. <laughs> and that may not be the exact quote, I don't, rem- I don't recall, but my father tried to explain to me at the eight or nine years old, look... It's okay for the professionals to feel that way. You're 10. <laughs> you're, you don't, your day does not depend on whether or not you win or lose your Little League game or your hockey game. And it was forever trying to get that out of my head. It's like, well, it was, if it was good enough for Vince Lombardi, why isn't it good enough for me? And I probably caused my dad many sleepless nights, but <laughs> I just wanted to say thanks, Rick. Mark, thank you. Thank you for the call, and, and thank you for those wonderful insights. Yeah, I mean, this is, even when you're a kid, Again, this is where the influence, uh, particularly that your dad can have upon you in sports, and to help explain, you know, away some of the the misconceptions and the mythology about certain phrases and clauses, like like the great, you know, Vince Lombardi phrase about winning is the only thing. You know, the fact is that kids need guidance; that they're looking uh, at their dads or obviously their moms as well to see how to behave when things aren't going well for them. Uh, you know, what's the appropriate behavior pattern? And that's something that I think too many of our dads, unfortunately, these days, because they get so caught up in trying to make sure their kids succeed, that somehow they, they aren't aware of the fact that they're, they're, they're being looked at constantly by their youngsters as to what, what's the right thing to do. Now, we're talking this morning about what are the important lessons in sports that you perhaps you learned from your dad growing up and what you're trying to impart to your own you know, children as they're playing sports. And I'm taking your calls here at one 337 6666 We're going to take a break, have some commercials. We'll get an update from Dave Uram. When I come back, we'll go right back to your calls. Stay with me. And welcome back to the Sports Edge. Our topic this morning is what are the key lessons uh, you learned from your father uh, in sports and what are the key lessons you want your son or daughter to learn as they uh, go through the process? You know, it's funny. I I forgot to mention at the the, the top of the show that my dad was all about praise. That is long before I had even heard of, of John Wooden. My father would use praise and even more praise in order to to encourage me in sports. If I had a bad day, let's say in baseball, uh, you know, rather than than belittle me or castigate me, my father would just take the opposite approach and point out, for example, how how tough the opposing pitcher was that day, or or if that of I was actually making good adjustments at the plate, and only if I had gotten you know one more at bat in the game, he was certain I would get a line drive double, and, and somehow. Those words of encouragement coming from my father, that gave me some hope, kept me going. I remember, and I've told this story before, I recall playing in a college uh, summer league game on one hot uh, Sunday afternoon. Uh, I was a right-handed batter, and I was facing a, a pitcher who wasn't all that big, and he didn't throw that hard, but he had a tremendously effective curveball. Uh, and as much as I tried to make adjustments at the plate that day, this pitcher struck me out four times in a row. Now, mind you, I was probably 18 or 19 at the time, and I had a very, very good career in high school baseball, but I had never looked so bad in a game in my life. I was convinced that any chance of ever playing professional baseball was now gone. I mean, struck out four times in a row. But in the long car ride home, my dad pointed out that the pitcher 
really did possess a really good deuce. And while I needed to learn how to you know, slap the pitch the other way, that I really shouldn't be that tough on myself because, after all, it was a really good pitcher. Uh, and my dad, his approach, he was calm, he was patient, and he was encouraging. Well, fast forward a few years later, that right-handed pitcher I, I, I faced that afternoon, turns out he was from St. John's University. His name was Steve Ratzer. Steve not only signed a pro contract, but he actually made it all the way through the minors to the big leagues, all because of that great curveball. In other words, apparently I wasn't the only opposing batter who had a hard time facing him, but again, it was my dad who helped me get over that four-strikeout performance. So to me, a huge takeaway is praise and encouragement. Those should be high on your list as a, as a sports dad, uh, and they should be high on your list as well, because particularly when your youngster has, has a tough day uh, you know, in a game or during an athletic performance. Okay, let's get back to our calls. Let's go to uh, Steve, who's on a car phone. Steve, good morning. You're on the fan. Good morning. Uh, how are you? I'm well. Steve, how are you doing? Good. My dad was the physical education director at a Jewish community center in New Haven. Yep. And his theme was everybody plays. Uh-huh. And uh, winning was important, was important, but it wasn't the most important thing. So he had to instill in his coaches, who happened to be fathers, that everybody plays. And what he did is he rigged the program. So there were four three-minute quarters in each half, and everybody had to play at least one quarter. Mm. And so it, the, the outcome was important, but the fact that the kids played was even more important. And my dad made sure all the kids had uniforms. And near the end of the year, at the end of the year, he would have a sports award dinner. Mm-hmm. Um, Bob Cousy came uh, one time to speak to all the kids. Uh, he would run about 30 games on a Sunday afternoon. And my father was uh, a very competitive and fierce um, competitive athlete himself. Right. But he felt that the, the need for kids to enjoy sports, play together, and have a good time was the most important thing. And he tried to instill that in the parents and in the coaches to make sure the kids had a good time. They learned skills. Uh, hopefully they w- they'd win, but they come away with a, a great experience. And I think that was the most important thing that my father instilled in hundreds of New Haven youth who still remember my dad to this day. And when they see me, they remember playing in the league and getting a chance to get off the bench and seeing their parents enjoy watching their kids play, and that was very meaningful to them. Steve, I, I, you know, you, you touch upon a, a vital, vital point, and that is that too often, particularly in this day and age of, of hyper-competition at youth sports level, that when your youngster is 6 or 8 or 10 or 12, when they come to the, to the, the gym or to the, the ballpark or, or to you know, the soccer field, whatever it might be, they all are looking forward to playing in the game. Yes, and, and unfortunately, not sitting on the bench. Not sitting on the game. They don't, they don't say, okay, I'm putting on my uniform. I'm so excited to be here just so I can watch other kids play. They all want to get in the game, make an effort, contribute, feel like they're doing something that makes their you know, mom and dad proud. And the fact is that, unfortunately, in this day and age, again, we get so caught up as parents with, the, the again, the level of trying to get to – to do more and more, that sometimes we overlook how important it is for our kids to actually want to get in the game. So your dad, Steve, clearly 
Uh, he was way ahead of his time. He understood how vitally essential and important it is for kids to go out and actually be in the game. And, yep. uh, you know, as you said, maybe he had to sort of uh, jerry-rig the teams and stuff so that everybody got a chance to play. But that's fine because at that level, at the youth level, that's what it's all about. The kids want to see just how good they are or they aren't compared to their peers. But what a vitally important lesson. Yep. And it's, unfortunately, it's overlooked too often. Yeah, and one of the things was my father would, would you know, stay in the gym, watch the games, made sure the, the, the coaches were encouraging. Many of the coaches knew my father and knew my father's philosophy. Mm-hmm. So they wouldn't have been there unless they bought into my dad's philosophy. Yeah, well, I, I, again, I, such a critically important point, and it seems so so obvious, but again, you know, your dad realized early on that that, that may not happen if we just let uh, the, the too many of the of the dads uh, and other coaches get involved and just want to win at all costs, and the kids get the kids become the victims because they get you know, they, they get sure. they don't get enough playing time. Steve, thank you for the call. Appreciate the story. Take care. Absolutely, take care. Right out. Let's uh, let's go to our friend Ed over in uh, in Elizabeth. Ed, good morning. You're on the fan. Good morning, Rick. How are you doing again? Sorry to hear about the loss of your father. Thank you, Ed. But, uh, but I remember the time I was at Madison Square Garden one time. Uh, Next playing the Phoenix Suns, and your father was down by courtside, and I was like down there watching the players warm up. And I said to your father, I said, Mr. Wolf, could I take a, could you take a picture with me? And he was he was very glad tonight. I, I still have that picture to this day. <laughs> okay. Uh, so, yeah. But, but getting back to what, what about you know our fathers, my father was the type of guy. He was there, but you didn't know he was there. And the, I, I said that for one reason. He, he, was a, he was a used car salesman. He was always known for his three-hour lunch breaks during baseball season, come watch his three sons play. Mm-hmm. But he was always down down the foul in whatever side our dugout was. I never, never, never interfered, mind his own business. He was just glad to come watch us play and all that stuff. Right. But when, when we came home at night, you know, he, when he came home at night because he would work till 9 o'clock, so he'd get home by 9.30. You know, we, he would always say to us, did you have fun today? And uh, we'd say, yeah, maybe we didn't say it in, in a upbeat way because maybe we had a bad day or whatever. But if, if we had said to him, Dad, could, I, could we talk to you about something or whatever, he always, whether it was about hitting or something maybe we did, you know, if he wanted to make a suggestion, he would always say, you do not go against your coach. He is there every day and all that stuff. If you want to try what I do, that's your decision and all that stuff. And to this day, I go watch my niece and nephew play. My, my nephew plays college baseball. My niece plays high school softball. I have the same approach. I go down the Actually, I'm, I'm opposite their dugout. Go down the line of mind my own business. So this way, I don't want to be involved with parents who may, may, may second-guess and all that stuff. I'm just there to watch, watch my nephew play and then after or niece, then after a game, if they want to talk, we'll talk about it. And then, uh, if not, I'm there to support them. Well, you know, Ed, you know, the fact is that that very simple question that your dad had for you: Did you have fun today? I mean, you know, it, it's such a straightforward question, and yet we often wonder. And we've talked about this many times in the show. Sometimes that that little that that word "fun," which obviously drives kids to want to go out and play sports. Unfortunately, in this day and age, as you know, it, it just gets sort of pushed off to the side. It's more about how did you do, you know, did you get any hits, did you do well, did you make the travel team, did you make the all-star team? What about having fun? I mean, the idea is that if it's fun, the youngster wants to go back and play again, you know? 
Absolutely, yeah. And then, you know, you, you go to some some games now and you see Paris, all they do is scream an umpire, scream oh. coach. You know, it's, is it, that... it's, it's, it's embarrassing to watch. And especially like, you know, and again, as a former college coach, you know, College coaches are you looking at you as a parent to see if they want you want you in, as, or in the best part of the program if they're recruiting, recruiting their sons. Yeah, I, you know, and you say it's true. It's embarrassing. Uh, the, the whole idea of fun. It's not fun for the youngster if they're watching uh, you as the the dad in the sidelines yelling at the umpire, yelling at the coach. That's not fun, and that's going to drive your kid away from the sport rather than uh, have him embrace it. And and that's that is an important fundamental concept and unfortunately gets uh, pushed off to the side too often. And, well, I got one more story to share with you before I go. Sure. I'd... I remember when I was a youngster, when I was like 10, 11 years old, I was in a, a bowling tournament. And then there was a father there, you know, his son was bowling. Every time his son rolled the ball, even if it could have been a strike, the father was always making a suggestion, doing this and that. Finally, by the middle of the third game, he said to his father, he goes, Dad, why don't you just shut up and let me bowl? I never heard that from an 11-year-old. So it got just so frustrating to a point when a, a, a parent, you know, just kept interfering and enjoying watching and maybe talking after the event, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I mean, you know, as kids get to a certain age, around 11, 12, 13, would they sort of develop their own voice and they sort of speak up. But it's it's yep. just it's just uh, that kind of pushback from the kid is just uh, devastating uh, to any dad, and that's that's such a terrible terrible kind of wake up call. Ed, thank Absolutely. you as always for the call. And again, sorry to hear about you, the loss of your father, but he was a great man. And he was a, he was good to listen to on sports. Th- thank you, Ed. Appreciate the call. All right, have a great. Yeah, and you know this is we're talking this morning about what the lessons you learned from your dad and and. Uh, you know, I, uh, you know, there's so many things you think about what you learn. The callers are coming in today, you know, with, the, with their stories and anecdotes. Uh, my dad was always a big believer in, in preparation and hard work. And he would tell me, you know, Rick, if you want to shine in the classroom or you want to be a, do well in the athletic field, you really need to prepare in advance so that you can do well. I mean, that meant, you know, working uh, to get into top shape. Uh, to be ready to go at the drop of a hat if, if the coach said, hey, Wolf, get in the game, you're ready to go, to show the coaches that you really could play and you could prove to them that you could play. Hard work, preparation, those two lessons have remained with me for my my entire adult life, and they go far beyond just trying to make the team in sports or trying to be at the competition. These are true life lessons, and, and again, I'm just so grateful that my dad explained to me why the approach of hard work and advanced preparation really does work. Okay, let me let me take a pause. When I come back from the update, I'll take more of your calls at one 337 6666. Radio.com. Hey, don't forget that uh, 9 o'clock, Ed Randall will be here, and Ed will be talking baseball, as he does every uh, Sunday morning during the spring and summer here on The Fan. And as always, I ask you to check out uh, my website at askcoachwolf.com, where you can post your thoughts and comments and questions about everything to do with sports parenting. We're talking this morning about the life lessons that dads need to impart to their kids especially when it comes to sports, and I'm taking your calls at one 337 6666 And as promised, let's get back to our, our phones. Let's go to uh, Fort Lauderdale, and uh, Steve is standing by. Steve, good morning. You're on the fan. Good morning, Rick. 
Um, I've got a, a brief story about when you were playing uh, in a men's league back in 1975. Okay. I was the plate umpire. And as you came up to bat, um, your teammates, of course, were, were encouraging you, hey, Wolfie, this, Wolfie, that, come on, Wolfie. And you got in the box, and you, the first pitch, I called a strike on you, <laughs> and you weren't too happy. Okay. You stepped out, and I looked at you, and I said, my God. There's a there's a very familiar face because you're a dead ringer for your old man. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And you got back in the box and you hit the next one over the center field fence. <laughs> and as you came around, you touched home plate, and I saw you look behind the fence. Yeah. And I glanced back there, and there's a, there's a man sitting in a beach chair back there with a big smile on his face and a mini thumbs up. And you smiled back at him, and I looked at the man on the beach, and I said, my God, that's Bob Wolf. <laughs> and I, but the impression that I, that I got was you smiled back at him like that meant a lot to you to see him give you that thumbs up. Well, it, it, Steve, and boy, that's a great, great memory, and, and thank you for, for sharing that with me this morning. Uh, you know, my dad, you know— he he was uh, he loved sports. He spent his entire life, obviously, as a sportscaster, and had a long, long, uh, you know, wonderful life. And as much as he he would tell us people over the years, he said, "Yes, I love calling the Knicks and and the Rangers and doing Major League Baseball." But he said, and he told our family all the time, he says, "As much as I enjoyed doing those big games, I really enjoyed the most watching uh, the, the the kids in high school and college." Uh, in pro ball and, and the summer leagues afterwards, that's where he enjoyed his time the most. He spent years and years when I was playing with the the New Rochelle Robins. Yeah, uh, you know, yeah, the New Rochelle, New Rochelle Robins, and and he loved uh, going to those games. Uh, so you know, deep down in heart, my father really just enjoyed the fun, the as he said, the camaraderie of being around a, a ballpark with guys who just shared the same kind of passion for the game as he did. And, and Steve, thank you for for reminding me of that wonderful story. But yeah, he, my dad loved it, and and uh, you know he just um, he that's where he wanted to be, and uh, you know he was fortunate enough to be able to do that for his entire life. So he was just he was just sitting back there beaming with pride. My boy hit one over. The well, yeah, I didn't hit too many home runs, so I can guarantee you when I did, occasionally connected and got lucky and hit one over the fence, he was well, very very happy about that. So. Probably were more angry with me for calling the first pitch a strike. That's why you took it out on the ball. <laughs> hey, Steve, thank thank you so much. I very okay. much appreciate that story. Take thank care. Bye bye. Uh, yeah, that was. Yeah, my dad was. You know, he like any dad, he loved watching his kids play, and and that's what it was all about, and that's what it should be all about. That you know, sports dads, sports moms, they want to see their kids go out and have fun. That's the idea. Let's go to uh, Rockville Center for Kevin. Hi, Kevin. You're on the fan. Rick, good morning. How are you doing? Good, Kevin. How are you? I'm very well. Listen, there's a story about my dad that I he taught me a lesson I didn't realize until much later in life. When I was in about eighth or ninth grade, I tried out for Babe Ruth baseball after playing in the minors and the majors for a couple of years. Yep. And um, I, I tried out, and I waited by the phone for a week. And day after day after day, no phone call from the league. Uh-oh. And I realized at the end of the week I wasn't going to be picked. And um, I was devastated. I was just devastated. And he didn't 
call the commissioner. He didn't call the coaches. He didn't make a big deal. He just, you know, told me that, you know, these things happen and I got to move on. I went on to play uh, sports in college and in high school. And I'll never forget how he taught me to deal with adversity and disappointment in such a subtle way. And, you know, it helped me. I own my own business now. And uh, it was just great to see my dad just do the right thing. And I've had, I've raised three boys myself. And, uh, you know, I try to do the same thing with them. They played sports in high school and college. And you just, um, it's a life lesson I'll never forget. Well, you know, the thing is, Kevin, when, again, you were too young to obviously understand this. Obviously, you just said a few seconds ago that you learned it over the years that, you know, your father was realizing that you were dealing with adversity. And there's nothing worse, by the way, than for a youngster to be waiting for the phone uh, to ring or these days for an email to arrive about whether or not you made the team. It's just, just, it's just a horrible, horrible experience. And it's just better, you know, for coaches to understand that if a kid doesn't make a team— uh, for trying out after trying out, then you got to tell the kid so he's not just waiting and hoping and praying and and going through the horrible experience of not getting uh, you know a positive uh, ex- response. But your dad certainly was going through his own, watching you go through this sense of adversity. I'm sure your father's insides were churning as well, thinking, "Doggone it, what's going on? How come they're not calling my kid?" And the way he handled it with you you know, let you go to cope with it in your own way so that your your interest in baseball was not uh, destroyed, but you went on to, as you say, play high school ball and play college ball. And and that set the tone for the way you raised your own boys. I mean, it's just, it, it, these learning from adversity and coping with adversity, boy, those are important, important lessons. And it's essential that, as you said, your father has to know how to say the right thing so you can cope with it yourself. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, Kevin, thank you. That that's another essential point about you know uh, a life lesson that dads have to impart to their kids, because every kid goes to adversity, and, and it's important to know because a kid is looking for you know for uh, approval from dad, and they're looking for you know what, what's the right words. What how how do I handle this? And obviously, your father handled it exactly the right way. Kevin, thank you for for that story this morning. I appreciate it. Thanks. Take care, Rick. Bye. Thank you. Let's uh, let's move on. Let's go to. Let's go to uh, Frank up in Greenwich, Connecticut. Hi, Frank. You're on the fan. Hi, Rick. How are you? I'm good, Frank. I have a great Bob Wolf story. I was um, going to broadcasting school and did an audition tape and sent it to News 12 mm-hmm. about 20 years ago or so, and, and uh, I got a phone call from the great Bob Wolf, and you know this is the man that called Don Larson's perfect game, and growing up, listened to Bob do uh, with Kyle Ramsey doing the Knicks. Sure. Um, he said, come on down. I want to critique your tape. And I was amazed. It was just an amazing thing. He said, I have about nine people in front of you, so you probably won't get a job, but I'd love to take the time to go through it with you, (laughs) which I thought was an incredible thing. He didn't have to do that. You know? Yes. Um, I remember walking in and meeting with him and he's just the, the nicest person you ever wanted to meet. And I really appreciated that, uh, that feedback and, and, uh, just an incredible man, and I was a big, big fan. Just wanted to tell you that. What what an incredible person. Well, Frank, thank you for, for uh, sharing that with me. And yes, that sounds like vintage uh, Bob Wolf. I mean, he he knew how difficult and how competitive uh, the sports casting world, the industry is, and, and um, he knew how lucky and fortunate he was to be involved in it for a good long time. 
But yeah, if he, he must have thought, uh, listening to your tapes, that you had something unique and different and had talent, and he just really wanted to reach out. And he did that a lot. And, and um, yeah, I mean, I'm, as you said, I don't know how it went or eventually what happened with, with your career, but clearly he wanted to reach out and tell you that he, he was impressed with what you had to offer. So Well, he, he was amazing. And, uh, again, it just I was, I was such a big fan that just just sitting there getting his feedback was uh, was it was just uh it was incredible <laughs> well i tell you he he was he was very unique and and um very very kind to anybody who came into his uh sphere of influence and uh obviously frank i i, I you obviously this happened a long time ago and you still remember it vividly and, and uh, that's 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 wonderful that's the kind of legacy my father was was very proud of frank thank thank you for that call to the call this morning it's a wonderful story Thank you. Take care. All right, let me let me take a quick break. When I return, hopefully I'll squeeze in a few more calls. Stay with me. Radio.com. Radio.com. And let's see if we can get one more call in here. Let's go uh, Joey in Hackensack, who's been waiting patiently. Joey, good morning. You're on the fan. Hey, my condolences to you and your family. Thank you, Joey. Uh, Good. But the thing my father taught me was hustle, determination, and passion for the game. Hmm. And that's, you know, like, the way Pete Rose played, that's how he played, and that's how I played, and that's how I had my daughter play. And uh, my father was a yeller. He used to yell and a lot, but he did it in a good way. When he knew that you were able to do something, you didn't do it because he didn't like laziness. He would yell and encourage him, yell, like, come on, let's go pick it up. You're better than that. And that's what I installed in my daughter, who played club baseball from 7 to 11 years old and went to club softball and had a great high school career, four-time state champ, two-time all-county player. And now I'm proud to say she's on her way to Division I college you know, softball. Joey, I got to coached her, And I coached. And I taught, that's what I taught all the kids. And all the kids from this year graduating high school, seven of them were going to D1 schools, two geez. to Notre Dame, Virginia. It was all hustle. Well, I was just going to say, first of all, congratulations. Obviously, it sounds like your daughter is a heck of an athlete, but that word you used is somehow sort of been forgotten over these years, the word hustle. I mean, hustle is something that just says you bring passion to the sport, you're happy to be there, and you work hard. It shows you care about the sport. And, Joey, thank you. I'm running out of time, but thank you for that call because hustle is essential to, and, again, that's something that's imparted by Parents, dads in particular, to their kids who play sports, learn and, and pretty much embrace the sense of hustle. That's key. And look, let's be, be honest. Being a sports parent today, as I've said many times on this show, it, it's a lot more complicated and a lot more difficult these days than ever before. And not only is it a challenge for a parent to navigate all of sports parenting today, it's even more bewildering for a kid. And that's why you really need to give some conscious thought as to what you want your son or daughter to take away from the years of playing sports. And obviously, it all starts with the idea of having fun. Okay, that's it for me this morning. My thanks uh, to Tommy Lugauer. And again, on behalf of the entire Wolf family, my thanks to all of you for your kind thoughts and prayers about my dad. Stick around for Ed Randall. He's up next. I'll see you next Sunday right here on The Sports Ed. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal. So why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. 
Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.